0: Welcome, and thank you for pressing play. I'm Crystal Bergfield, and this is Back to School with Crystal Bergfield. Throughout history, great teachers have stepped forward to help show us the way to coexist in society. They have urged us to consider our role in community. Just like those teachers, I am offering up my knowledge and experience to contribute to a just, responsible, and innovative United States. Through storytelling, interviews, and in depth discussions, I will dive into the issues that plague our society and highlight new ideas that could contribute to a healthy nation. This podcast is part of a larger curriculum to educate Americans about our society. Find your seat. Take a breath and prepare to expand your mind, your heart, and your reality. All right, friends, welcome back to Back to School with Crystal Bergfield. We've been talking taxes this month, and last week we stumbled on to the Federal Reserve. Today we are continuing down that rabbit hole with my guest, author and hanged man, A.M. Pfeffer. Thanks for being here, A.M.
1: Crystal, thanks for having me.
0: Absolutely. Let's dive on in. So I want to start by sharing with the folks a little bit about um, how, how we intersect in this space of talking about the Federal Reserve. And, and for those who are listening, you need to go over and listen to uh, a, a more extensive interview with AM as we really just talked about life and, and how it is to be an American here, all of the systems that intersect and, and all of that, right? So, but... He and I both found ourselves in the midst of the housing crisis, but before it was crisis. So in 2006, I was 22 and getting out of the military and decided I can buy a house. I've saved up my money. I've got good credit and I'm going to buy a house. (laughs) So I did.
1: (laughs) You and a lot of other Americans. Yes.
0: Yeah. And so can you share with us? am where where you were at in that space
1: oh 2006 right in the heart of the subprime crisis i was a subprime loan officer a mortgage broker slinging that shit there
0: you go yeah right (laughs) (laughs) and let me tell you it was tricky because they sell it to you so well like it's exciting you can get your own house and i'm thinking oh let's do this let's let's Find this foundation.
1: Little money down and, you know, great interest rate. And don't worry, it'll reset in just a couple of years. But by then it'll be fine and the equity will go up. Yeah, all of that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. (laughs) And so we found ourselves on opposite sides, but both a product of what was happening at the time and contributing to it, right? We we all contribute to these systems, whether we like them or not. We're we're all participating in some way or another. Um, But what I really enjoyed... And uh, again, listen to the other podcasts, but just so you all know, A.M. just finished a book called Of, By, and For the Hanged Man. And in this book, he dives into our paradoxes, um, diving into who we are individually and how, who he is and his experiences. And then he draws out the paradoxes in our systems here in the United States. And he discusses them very honestly. Um, and that is the hanged man, right? To, to be that truth seeker.
1: That's right. I mean, that, that's a central theme to the book. And why it was necessary to bring this out and to talk about it and my own history and you know where i was wrong and where i want to be right because vulnerability is that important.
0: Yeah, so let's get into that. Your vulnerability. Let's just go there why? Why did you write this book? Why are it's you been, outing everything?
1: Why why am i outing everything? <laughs> yeah, i mean look it's 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 partly clear conscience. You know, and it's and the other half of it is because it sparks conversation. It sparks critical thought. That is the whole point of all of this. That's why we're here. That's why we're on this planet together. That's how we all get together and belong and how we move forward. Mm -hmm. I want to contribute.
0: But why now? Was there something that brought you to this point or did you just have this through the years you were taking notes? What brought you to the point of saying, yes, I'm going to write a book right now?
1: Uh, there were, there were so many reasons you know in the other podcast that we discussed I brought up one let me bring up another here certainly that I was about to become a father I was six weeks away from from my wife giving birth to our son uh, number one and in a previous life that being my 20s I was a writer that's what I came to Los Angeles to do and 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 to uh, you know find my way and that was the life I wanted to live in the career I wanted to create didn't happen I have found my way into real estate um, and got myself in a big hole right around the Great Recession like a lot of us in 2008 and had to, you know, instead of going home with my tail between my legs and working in the family business or doing something else, I stuck it out here uh, and worked my way back up uh, and got myself out of the red and in the black again and then said, "Okay, time to share. That's what it was.
0: You talk about this in your book that the hanged man often leads with the heart and not always by what, what was the word that you used? Um, logic or <laughs> something <laughs> <irrational>. <laughs> you said something but, but that's the beauty of, of you being that hanged man was that you were like I'm not going to take my, myself back home with my tail between my legs I'm going to figure this shit out and I'm no. going to make it work for myself in doing that, and I've been in that journey, too, of I'm going to make this work. I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to ask why, and I'm going to move beyond it. And when we do, we come out with some beautiful wisdom, and mm-hmm. it sounds like you are ready to share that wisdom.
1: That's the idea. You know, I mean, it's, what, what's the point of, of <laughs> generating that wisdom if you're just going to keep it to yourself?
0: Yeah, true that. <laughs> well, then let's just get into it. So I'm going to read a quote from your book. AM digs into a lot of realities. He talks about the education system and breaks down um, the different types of education that children receive. Uh, He talks about lending and, um, and what that looks like. He talks about the Federal Reserve. And so in his book, he says the Federal Reserve has three main functions. And if you are one of my patrons, you've watched the video and you you've heard me talk about these last week. But just to recap, the Federal Reserve has three main functions, influencing monetary policy to achieve maximum employment. So that um, translates in into ensuring that we have a low unemployment rate. And and that's how we see it on on the receiving end. Number two, regulating all other banking operations to ensure the safety of the financial system. And I think that one was really key back in 1913 when it was established because there was some shady shit happening. And they're like, we're going to we're going to safeguard this. Shady
1: shit, to say the least. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) I mean, essentially prior to that, it was it was private financiers who were giving lines of credit to the federal government when when there were problems when there were when there were bank runs and you know that was going on for way too long so yes
0: yeah okay so that's two and then number 3 operating and overseeing the nation's payments systems do you want to say anything about that yeah
1: look that's the trickiest one of all Because there's a duality to that that uh, we all got to be very uh, cognizant of and cautious of. Meaning that you know, on the one hand, it's like okay, regulate the banks and savings, uh, savings and loans and credit unions and financial institutions of the world, Uh, and on the other hand, it's like we're working hand in hand with the U.S. Treasury. You know, the ones who are paying the taxes and handing out the employment, you know, the employment checks and specifically entitlements, which is a big thing I talk about in my book. Why I have a problem with the Federal Reserve is because it's a a great reminder of the entitlement system in this country. And just to be clear, I'm not against entitlements. That's not what I'm going for. I'm against the Federal Reserve or how it's at least run right now.
0: Well, and it comes down to a responsibility, right? If our government is supposed to be responsible to the people, a government of, for, and by the people, which is the democracy in which we're operating there should be responsibility in who we're, who we're contracting with. Right. If even, so to be clear, the federal reserve is a a private financial institution who is being allowed to set rates and to be this governance. Um, would you agree with that or would you describe it? Partly it's,
1: it's, it's a federation is what it is. Um, so it's, you know, there's, there's, there's two sides of the equation where there are, 12 supposed private corporations who work underneath the central federation of of the government at a DC obviously so you know and and they're regulated by these seven board of governors and then these rotating five presidents from the other 12 banks throughout the country
0: yes so to be clear these 12 institutions that are comprising this one federation they are private institutions or, or folks. In private, they, are,
1: they are, again, suppo- let's use that term Supposed, but yes, they're yes. supposed to be private corporations. Yes.
0: You know, I, I have a problem with that, that it seems quite tricky that our these folks who are the private um, shareholders, I would call them, or, or folks feeding into this larger federation are the owners of some of these great banks, Right, so if, if the Federal Reserve, and maybe you can help me find some clarity in this, because it just seems mishandled to me, that if, let's say Chase Bank is a part of this federation, the Federal Reserve is saying, hey, Chase, you have to abide by these rules, um, but then Chase is the one who is a part of making those rules, it, it, where are the checks and balances at?
1: great question yes I couldn't agree more like where that is really what our issues are um where are these checks and balances? You know, I mean, let, let's start, we got to start from the beginning of what this Please. is. You know, why is this set up this way? Why did the Federal Reserve Act in 1913 set this all up? And then, you know, the, the subsequent amendments make it the way that it is. Again, we talked a little bit about it on the other podcast, the idea of federalism. Well, what is federalism? A centralized government with, you know, uh, call it holding companies underneath it. That is what we have. You know, we have 50 united, separ- but separate states. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, and that works pretty damn well when, when handled correctly, because they can run their own governments and they can do how, how they please. But what was supposed to be mimicked in the central bank was same thing. We got a central bank, but these separate things. Uh, no, that doesn't work necessarily for monetary policy the same way it does for our United States. Um, and to your point, yeah, I mean. What, if you're going to have, you know, one hand feeding the other, you, you got a problem there. I mean, it goes all the way back to what happened in the Great Recession in 2008. You know, you look at uh, Standard & Poor's or Moody's who were doing the ratings of the collateralized debt obligations, not to get too far in the weeds here, but, you know, they were the ones who were, the, were calling the stuff inside of those securities AAA stuff, you know, AAA rated <laughs> uh, paper. Well, you know, who was paying them to rate it AAA? the same people who are securitizing them. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, you're going to find some similarities to that inside the Federal Reserve. It's not exactly like Chase Bank or Citigroup or Jamie Dimon has like, you know, just to point out one particular leader of a bank has all of the uh, all the clout to say exactly what's happening inside of that policy. But yes, it is all mingled. And it, it, was, it really became evident when the shit at the fan in 2008... And and the the GSEs Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac were put into conservatorship, you know. And Ben Bernanke and and, and Paulson, uh, you know, said that you need to, that it, Bernanke, who ran the Fed at that time, had endorsed this, you know. And it's still in conservatorship to these days. Both Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. Again, they are totally separate of the Fed, as is the U.S. Treasury. Treasury, but they all run in conjunction with each other. That's mm-hmm. a problem.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And to come back to your your book, you say, control the money, control the markets, control the payments. Check, check, and fucking check for the Federal Reserve. (laughs) Three for three, (laughs) batting (laughs) 1,000%. And yes, I can see that there must be some form of procedure for overseeing the nation's payments, collection of monies, currency distribution, payment processing, but influencing monetary policy to achieve maximum employment, regulating all other banking operations to ensure the safety of financial system. That's a whole lot of power for one centralized federation to set up as 12 supposedly private corporations. So that's what you were getting to.
1: Exactly, and let's take those one at a time for a second, because you yeah. know the the first part of what I was talking about was how the Fed ultimately works in conjunction to regulates the U.S. Treasury, who handles that. But the the other side of the equation is also uh, the federal funds rate and discount rate for how they handle savings institutions. I don't know. I don't know how much you talked about that on the other podcasts, uh, but that's a big thing. The federal funds rate being kind of like an overnight loan to make sure that there is, or excuse me, an overnight a rate for overnight loans that banks can use to borrow from each other or from the Fed to make sure that they have enough in reserves to meet the requirements of something that's FDIC insured. But those rates, those interest rates, which again is a much larger effect on the economy, is has an indirect effect on mortgages. Auto loans and credit card loans and those interest rates and all of that. So again, it it becomes very convoluted with it. But yes, to you know the, the first two points that I make about, especially and you talked about it right at the beginning of this, uh, especially the idea that the Fed was established to make sure that the economy is humming all the time and that uh, you know employment is as low as possible. Yeah, that's a problem that's a problem. That's yeah. really what it comes down to. I mean, is is it always such a good thing that employment, That like that's always what it has to be, that that's our, that's constantly our answer is just whatever it takes to keep employment low.
0: Mm-hmm. No,
1: that's not necessarily a good thing.
0: Yeah. And I think when we do focus solely on the economy, we forget that we're, we've got all these humans here living this experience yeah. and we think that we can just cover it up by spending more money. Hence, we continue to spend money and we get nowhere
1: that's right and that's exactly right and we just keep spending money over and over again. M- more to the point, not just spending money, printing money, right? How does the government make money? How does the Federal Reserve get its money? you got to think about that. You collect taxes, or you borrow it, which is already a big problem in this country, or you just keep printing money. And what happens when you keep printing money, which is what we've been doing, without it being backed by gold for, I don't know, for fucking ever? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, what happens? You just devalue your own currency, you devalue your own worth, and then you convolute, which is where we get now, And that, you know, feeds into the idea that you're just you're just opening up lanes for corruption and having to continue to bail each other out when when shit goes awry, because everything's commingled.
0: Yeah. Actually, let me ask you, because I don't know this. Who's printing the money?
1: The the 12 reserves, the 12. Yeah, the Federation. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So why is nobody stopping to ask these questions of how how is this happening that we just keep printing money and and nobody's safeguarding or watching isn't that the job
1: Well t- here's another part of, of the again, the Federal Reserve likes to talk about, you know, we are about consumer protection, and we are uh, we are about enlivening communities. And it's like, oh, that sounds really nice on your website, but is that really what's happening? But, you know, to, to ask that question, I, people are. They certainly are. It's not like it's just a, the Wild West runaway train. There are people who advocate for not doing that plenty inside of the system. Mm-hmm. But now you're talking about us being tethered to a global economy and that the, uh, the world currency is pegged to the U.S. dollar. Well, that's a big thing right now. So, hey, you know, keep printing that money as it is. But what happens when that becomes, Mm. uh, you know, the yen or some other form of currency? Things Mm -hmm. will change.
0: Mm. Interesting. What would that look like? Yeah, How would that change? I I, I, I don't know. 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 I'm not sure I want to know. Yeah. Yeah. If anybody out there has that answer, (laughs) that's our next why. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking hole, man.
1: Yeah. I mean, again, it's like... Sure. You need some form of a central bank. But obviously the quote you you also read, so we can loop back to this just a little bit. And, you know, my concern is mostly that it's a representation of socialism right now. The wrong kind of socialism. That's what it is. Check, check and fucking check. Because that is the definition of, of what socialism, you know, control the markets, control the payments. And, you know, we don't want to be there.
0: Can you backtrack just a little bit so people can understand that? In in layman terms What do you mean that our federal The federal reserve is socialism
1: Yeah I'll I'll tell you what I'm going to read a, a larger quote from the book Where I say any economic or political system Based on government ownership And control of important businesses And methods of production Right well influencing monetary policy To achieve maximum employment Regulating all other banking operations To ensure the safety of the financial system Operating overseeing the nation's payment systems Check, Mm -hmm. check, and fucking check (laughs) For for what socialism really is
0: Yeah And again, coming back to That's a good thing That there's these checks and balances But is it a good thing That it's a private Federation doing this And overseeing um, This checking Overseeing all of this It's a good idea
1: Essentially that there are private corporations If the idea was that they were really private right? Mm -hmm. But obviously Mm -hmm. it's been convoluted and that's not ultimately what happens. And the the more that comes up in the United States or the more problems that exist or subsist for the banks or insurance companies like they did in 2008, obviously, and the more that the federal government has to step in and say, oh, we got to save this, you know, it just becomes more and more convoluted. And then are they really private corporations? And again, it's not like just, it's not just as simple as saying, abolish the Federal Reserve, or this is, you know, there's a problem. We really got to know our history. We've got to go back and understand who is, uh, you know, who have been the, the, the chair people, um, you know, especially in the past five, like you can really go back. I mean, it's, it's fascinating history to learn what Paul Volcker did, you know, when he took over in the Carter administration and then, uh, you know, Reagan, right when Reagan came in and people forget there was a massive, massive recession happening between 1882 and Volker when the, the the Fed fund rate was already high, over 11%, stood in the face of everybody and bulked it up to 20% because he didn't want to see inflation. Well, compare that to what happened, uh, you know, in the past, prior to, the, to go back to pretty much 2008 to 2016 for eight fucking years where we didn't move the rate once. You don't think inflation is going to come back and bite us in the ass down the line? And now you're having conversations today. What goes on literally here that we're in 2019 now, where it's like, Keep keep lowering it, you know, keep putting the rate down and don't worry about inflation and, and all of that. And it's like, well, we don't have much lower to go because you didn't move it at all. It's only a little over two percent. You know, and it's been well over. It's been over 10 years since it was over three percent. The Fed funds rate. It's like it's insanity. And again, that's just one facet of conversation about the Federal Reserve. You can have. Twenty different conversations about it, and it's like the other side of the equation is, and, and and probably a lot of listeners are wondering, well, what are we supposed to do? And I'm the first to admit, I have no idea. <laughs> I just know that, like, however we fucked up the current system of the Federal Reserve, you got to unfuck it because it's it's overseeing privatized capital. That's my that's really my biggest concern. My biggest contention, if, you know, to get to the heart of it is that. It, That's that's really where we're at these days is, you know, privatizing transportation, privatizing water access, privatizing prisons, privatizing military. Um, And that's a concern. And when you start doing that and then allowing the federal government to be a part of paying for that or helping to make sure that this privatization grows, you got issues.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And you asked the question, "What do you do?" I think you've already answered it. And and actually, to give some props to our current president, so the other day he says <laughs> about about his investigation, just go back and look at the oranges of of the investigation, right? He was saying origins, and he said and it I every know. time, oranges or. Nobody fucking listened to what he was saying because he said it so abstractly, oranges instead of... But I think he did it purposely. That's just my thought. You don't anyway,
1: think slipping through?
0: No. <laughs> I think that he's setting him up to say, look, I gave you all the answers, but nobody listened. Right. He said, go back and look at the origins. And that's exactly what you're saying, too, right? Like, go back and look at our history. Look at why we set this up. Look at how it was set up. What was the intention for this system? Are we still living up to that? Are we still responsible to this? Is this really still our intention? It's it's really asking those questions: why and and how and. No, it's not. I mean,
1: but it's also how do you sustain that for a hundred years or over? Right? And I mean, that's we need point to. Of- Right. And you need to, but that's why you have amendments, but the amendments always come too slowly. And then the reactionary, instead of being proactive about heading something off in the past, you know, but, but look at what's happening now. It's like, okay, on one hand, you might agree with Trump. I mean, and partly because I'm saying get rid of the fed or some version of it or really change it up and he'd like to do the same. Let's agree on it. Do I agree that he wants to put uh, Stephen Moore and Herman Cain on the two empty board seats that are coming? No, no, I fucking do not. (laughs) I think a lot of people wouldn't. So, So, you know, that type of cronyism is something we all got to be concerned about.
0: Absolutely. To bring this full circle and something that I intend to implement in office is really, again, building that trust. But how does trust get built in this space? To me, it's that transparency and honesty. We have to be able to publicly say, look, this is our history. And we need to do this in a lot of our systems. Mm -hmm. But to look and say, look, this is our history. This is what really was going on. This is where we are today. Yes, it's fucked up. Yes, we need to work on it. But that doesn't mean we throw the baby out with the bathwater. Maybe you we do, but you maybe can. we don't. Yeah, I mean, you not can. with this system, but, you know, <laughs> in some instances. But we have to critically look at all of these systems to understand what's going on here. And we have to also let the people know that that we are working for them. Right. I think where people start to get into this place of like abolish the Federal Reserve. We don't need it. We don't want it. It's it's bad for us. is because they've seen the corruption that's come through and, and they, there's no trust. So to me, to build that trust, we've got to be able to be transparent and, and to start actually working for the people and, and holding these private federations accountable to serving the people as well. Um, and and it's a, it's,
1: by the way, I love that. And an interesting idea that we, nobody ever touches on. Why don't we be transparent about our corruption?
0: Because,
1: because corruption is inevitable. You know, partly it's you can almost look at certain things and be like, you know, you can be a little bit corrupt. I'm going to allow it as long as you tell me that's what's going to happen. You know, and and, and I obviously very small amounts, but it's part of the deal. It's part of the power that comes with it. It's part of, you know, decisions that have to be made. You know, not everything is going to be on the up and make people happy and service 330 million people. You know, sometimes the halls of power are going to speak and those inside the system are going to want to feed themselves. Like, I think we've all come to the idea that that's that's actually going to happen. I'm not saying it's okay. We're not okay. I'm not advocating for it. I'm just advocating for being transparent about it because the more we understand it, the less it becomes feared and the less, you know, we have to scream about it at each other on television.
0: Well, and the beauty about democracy is that if we have that transparency if we see the corruption and we decide we don't want it we can go out and we can vote against it and we could we, we could start to vote in people who are less corrupt or who uh, are not corrupt, yes. right
1: or, or even better uh you know and let's let's vote for people that don't necessarily represent only two systems right there are other there there are other yes. parties out there there are other parties that <laughs> <laughs> choir
0: for sure yeah well i think we covered some good stuff let's let's get in, I guess, to the homework for this a little bit of homework, and I again we've already covered it, but can you give a few pieces of homework for for the people around the federal Reserve? Yeah, I mean look, I mentioned
1: the last five chair people going back to. You know the, the end of the Carter administration. Let's talk about them. but I'm just going to list them really quickly. In, in uh, Paul Volcker, Alan Greenspan, you got to know who he, he was and his 20 years. Certainly, um, you know Ben Bernanke and his time and what he did in 2008. Janet Yellen and her short time, probably too short lived. And now Jerome Powell. They really know who Jerome Powell is, and and you know he might be the last adult left in Washington D.C. And of course <laughs> no, he's he's getting squeezed out, uh, which is inevitable. Yeah. But there, there's the homework. Go go read about who they all are and what they've done because that's, that's a big thing.
0: And once we know what they've done, we can understand the system much more clearly um, and learn about it. So that's your homework folks. Thank you for listening. Thank you AM for being here again. Um, And I want you to plug your book, but is there anything else that you're working on? Anything else that you want people to know about you and where can they find you?
1: Oh, I love it. I appreciate that. Yeah, the name of the book is Of, By, and For the Hangman. Uh, it's the first book I wrote. It's on Amazon, iBook. Uh, it's on Barnes & Noble website and Kobo and pretty much every website you go. Um, but the the other things that I'm working on are... I'm working on a number of things that hopefully are going to uh, help humanity get through the 21st century. I'm working on one, maybe two things specifically and hopefully with will be out in the next couple of years, but I'm going to keep writing, keep writing articles and ideas. Uh, and you can always see where i'm up to on my website amfetford.com
0: perfect and that's p f e f f e r that's right you remember pretty well (laughs) a
1: like apple m like michael
0: yes all right folks thank you for tuning in and let's talk about some solutions next week take care
1: thanks Grizzle.
0: all right